Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, everyone. Buddy C. Got a good crowd today for our Tao Te Ching meeting. Let's take a moment and uh, just get centered, create some emptiness or recognize some emptiness so that we can uh, leave some room to hear, hear our higher power today. Okay, okay. There's a lot in this one about surrender. It, it's amazing to me how often I'm learning about something in my daily walk that everything seems to feed that. You know how many times, funny how I saw that or I have a conversation. It's funny why you mentioned that, you know, that kind of thing that happens. How many times are you talking to people say, wow, that's exactly what I needed. Well, this chapter is that for me today. This is uh, this is really a good chapter. We're, we're in the 29th chapter. Let's begin with uh, Dottori. Will you read for us, sir, and just start? I'm going to share the screen. Yep. Dottori, just take it away for us, sir. Okay, do you think you can take over the universe and improve it? I do not believe it can be done. The universe is sacred. You cannot improve it. If you try to change it, you will ruin it. If you try to hold it, you will lose it. So sometimes things are ahead and sometimes things are behind. Sometimes breathing is hard. Sometimes it can easily. Sometimes it comes easily. Sometimes there is strength and sometimes weakness. Sometimes one is up and sometimes down. Therefore, the stage avoids extremes, excess, and complacency. Do you want to improve the world? I don't think it can be done. The world is sacred. It can't be improved. If you tamper with it, you'll ruin it. If you treat it like an object, you'll lose it. There is a time for being ahead, a time for being behind, a time for being in motion, a time for being at rest, a time for being vigorous, a time for being exhausted, a time for being safe, a time for being in danger. The master sees things as they are without trying to control them. She lets them go their own way and resides at the center of the circle. Do you want to rule the world and control it? I don't think it can be done. The world is a sacred vessel. It cannot be controlled. You will only make it worse if you try. It may slip through your fingers and disappear. Some are meant to lead. Others are meant to follow. Some must always strain, and others have an easy time. Some are naturally big and strong, and others will always be small. Some will be protected and nurtured, and others will meet the destruction. The master accepts things as they are, and out of compassion avoids extravagance, excess, and extremes. Once you take over the world, think again. The world's a holy place. You can't just fuck around with it. Those who try to change it destroy it. Those who try to possess it lose it. With Tao, you push forward. Or maybe you stay behind. Sometimes you push yourself. Other times you rest. Sometimes you're strong. Sometimes you're weak. Sometimes you're up. And sometimes you're down. A master lives simply, avoiding extravagance and excellence and excess. Okay. Any comments? We did put the... uh the uh, link in the in the chat if you want to pull this up on your computer and we're on 29 any any comments on this so far guys what what are you what are you seeing in this before we get into the commentaries 
Right, I'm seeing a, I'm seeing a progression. Um, the first line of that one: Do you think you take, you, do you think you can take over the universe and improve it? To me, sounds like a challenge. Yeah, uh, and I think that's going from ego, and then, and then it uh, comes down to say, I don't believe it can be done. So it's kind of gone from ego to powerlessness to surrender to accepting that um, we, we we can't do. We, we can't do everything that we think we can because we, we don't have a control or anything. Yeah, it's um, we, we're learning the Tao not to push things, just let things take the natural progression. Um, and the bit that confused me was the fo- uh, was was the last bit in the translations that says, um, "With Tao, you push forward, um, or maybe you stay behind." Why, why in the Tao would we be pushing forward? I thought we would just let things naturally progress and and let things happen as they usually do. Um, where are you in, that, Craig? Where where are you? Um, in, in the fourth translation, it says in, in the the second paragraph, "With doubt, you push forward, or maybe you stay behind. Sometimes you push yourself, other times you rest." So yes. why why with doubt would we push ourselves? Maybe that's a poor choice of words. I, I think it's sometimes the other translations take it as being sometimes you're ahead, sometimes you're behind. Not right. the fact that you're forcing or pu- exerting your own will. Right. Like, well, like if you thought, thought about a river, sometimes the water runs fast and sometimes it's slow. It just does. Yeah. It just does. Yeah. So it's kind of like that, uh, what that Ecclesiastes that we've all heard in the songs and all of that, you know, that there's a time for all things, you know, all that. So I think that's kind of the gist of that middle part for me was, was that now, at the first, when it talks about improving the world, and then they talk about the world's a sacred place, it can't be improved. Uh, in the Stephen Mitchell commentary, what, what he says that means is that the world's already perfect. You can't improve the world. It's already perfect. And our improving, our attempts to improve um, are are seen by at the very end where it talks about avoiding extremes, excesses, and complacency, that those are the ways that we try to improve when if we just accept life as life is, learn to go with the flow, we'll see that we're much happier than we would be otherwise. Really, when we learn to surrender is what it's about. A lot of times as... um as people in recovery, we, we kind of try to push ourselves towards perfection as well. Um, and I think through this verse, I think, I think we can learn that we are as we are. We, we, we are how we're supposed to be. Um, we, we shouldn't really have that push to be perfect because, you know, maybe we are perfect or, or we're going to be as perfect as we're going to get. Um, there's, a, there's, there's a mirror as well. That, there's a scene in it as well that the, um, the mirror reflects everything as it is. So, so the, the mirror shows everything as, as, as it should be because that's all it can see. Um, that's what I'm taking out this one as well. We can't change something that, that's, that's meant to be. How about this phrase? If you try to hold it, you will lose it. If you try to hold it, in other words, if you try to control, you're going to lose what is it? Whatever you compromise to keep, you're going to lose. Isn't that the, the saying? Yeah. It's kind of like in, in a lot of the Taoist thought, if you're, you can't grasp the new thing, 
if you're holding on to the old dead thing, you know. So if something's died in your life or you're in this, everything's in this life cycle, and if you've if whatever you're afraid to change and you're afraid of the change in your life, but you see it coming, but you really don't want it to happen. You keep holding on to what's dead and stiff and lifeless instead of letting it go. And until you let that go, you can't grasp the new thing that's coming for you. So, so to, it's like trying to keep a child at the age they are or at the stage of development that they are. I mean, the, the two to three-year-old stage is a great thing. If you try to hold on to that thing, it's, it's not going to happen. It's, it's pointless. It's pointless doing that sort of thing because they're going to develop and mature in their own, their own person. How about a relationship that's died and you know the relationship is dead, but you keep holding on to it because it's familiar and, you know, it could be a, a romantic relationship or a, or a friend relationship because we all grow out of friend relationships too, you know, and we keep holding on to that relationship and we think, I'm, this just isn't, doesn't have the life it had before. Or if you talk about recovery, a meeting that you might go to that it spoke to you a long time and it worked and then all of a sudden it doesn't work anymore. Is it not working because of me or is it not working because it's just time to move on? So, you know, I can see that in everything. Jobs, you're in a job that you were beneficial to your employer for a while, you know, for a long time and, and it all worked and it all clicked and all of a sudden it's just not clicking. You know, maybe spiritually you're in great shape. It's not you, you know, the problem's not with, with you, you know. It's, everything's good. It's just for whatever reason, it's time to move on. You know, there's a lot in that one sentence. If you try to hold it, and it's talking about the world, and it's talking about the universe, and anything in it. So I think about my old identity whenever I see that if you try to hold it, you'll lose it. I'm only eight months or a little under eight months sober, but... In early, early recovery, I was having a hard time of letting go of my old identity and thinking that I would lose myself trying to do that. But by letting go of that, I was able to develop into the person I'm supposed to be. And I don't have to be what I used to be in active addiction. And I can still take the good qualities with me. It's just that I'm a lot better of a person all around now that I've let that old identity go. And I'm just trying to figure out who I'm meant to be now. I'm just letting it be. Exactly, Tori. That's good. Anyone else? Um, yeah, I was saying just something similar to that and didn't realize that was created. Um, it's that old adage, you know, if you love something, set it free. If it comes back to you, it's meant to be. Now, how about this one? How does that apply if you started meditating or if you meditate? How about the thoughts that come up when you're meditating? What are your taught? You know, you're taught with those thoughts, not to resist them, but just to let them be, and they'll lose their strength. Same thing, I think. If you try to hold on to, I can't think about that. I can't think about the yellow ele- elephant. What's going to happen? You're going to think about the yellow elephant, right? Everybody's thinking about one right now, you know, because you can't help it, you know. <laughs> Okay, I just let it go. And it's okay if I think about it. And then it just leaves because I stopped resisting. I think it's the same thing in anything that we're having difficulty holding on, that we want to hold on to, that it's okay. Just let it be. Just let it be. Um, I learned that with anger recently. 
I always thought part of surrender was to resist what I was feeling, that I was to resist it. If I started to get angry, you know, I didn't need to feel that. I need to let that go. What I realized was when I am angry, I need to just accept that I'm angry and not fight it, not resist it. What I realized was when I just accept it and will be in it for a second, it just goes away. Because what was feeding the anger was my resistance to the anger. Not, the anger had no power of its own. Once it came up, if I did not resist it, it went away very quick. If it had any power, it was very little. And I'm finding that's the way it is with everything that I'm, that's causing me angst, you know, causing me any kind of grief. If I will just accept it and not resist it, that's the really the first step to surrender, to letting it go, is accept it as it is. And uh, Dyer talks about that. But if we try to hold on to things, we're going to lose them because we're not meant to hold on to stuff. Whatever it is, whatever's going on, whatever the situation, relationship, uh, what, whatever it is, we have to learn to let those things go. If you're talking about the emotions, and we always learn that emotions aren't good or bad. They always are. They, they, they just are. It's the thoughts that are behind the, it's the thoughts that are behind the, the, the emotions that we need to look at. You know, with that, you know, and then eventually we find that the thoughts get down to the feelings that are behind that too. So, you know, and then we learn to let those things go and be with them. And then we can, uh, those thoughts go away. How about this? What I want to talk about was this last little phrase. The sage avoids extremes, excesses, and complacency. How about the master sees things as they are without trying to control them? She lets them go their own way and resides at the center of the circle. Or this one, the master accepts things as they are and out of compassion avoids extravagance, excesses, and extremes. Out of compassion. This is the only translation that uses that phrase. And then the last one just says it a little simpler. But who can look up a definition of extremes for me? Can, are you all in front of a computer? Or are you in front of a PC, Melissa? Yeah. Uh, uh, we, I want us to look at definitions of each of those extremes, excesses, and complacency. I've got extremes. Okay. Either of two abstract things that are as different from each other as possible. Any more? Let's say the subject or predicate in a, pre in a proposition or the major or minor term in a syllogism. Let me go to the Merriam-Webster definition. Existing in a very high degree, going to great or exaggerated lengths, exceeding the ordinary, usual, or expected. Whoa, okay. Exceeding the ordinary, usual, or expected. In the second one there, it talks about residing at the center of the circle. That is the opposite of that, right? That is getting out as far to as you can. And how many times, I know for me, I only speak for myself, I get involved in something and I want to do it 150%, right? <laughs> Man, if I'm going to start meditating, I'm going to meditate two hours a day. If I'm going to do, 
<laughs> oh, I'm going to read the big book. Okay. I'm going to read it in a weekend. You know, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> does that speak to anyone else or just me? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's Melissa. That's me too, dear. I'm just, like trying to sponsor yourself. Yeah. You know, I wanted to, I remember when I first came to the program, I read the steps and I went through them in a weekend by myself. I said, I can do this. This is nothing to do. I went to a meeting once and this guy said, I wanted to do steps one through 12 all in the same day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I grew up in this culture that you can take, take what works and leave the rest. So I decided that I was going to do one, two, three. I could skip four. Going to five. <laughs> and of course, my sponsor meetings are done on Skype. So when I suggested that, do you know how sometimes the screen freezes and there's just a blank vacant stare? That's what it was like. <laughs> yeah, but but it, but the screen had not froze, right? No, no. You can see you can slowly see the color just rising. <laughs> okay, so these extremes. So these are the things that we need to avoid. In anything that we're doing, if we want to walk by this Taoist nature, first of all, he says, everything is as it should be. You don't need to screw with stuff, okay? First of all, you there's nothing for you to fix today. Second, this is how there's a time for everything, and these are the things you need to avoid. So these would be our red flags. One would be extremes. Who can read me a definition of excess? Whoever finds it, just take off. Let me do a, let me stop the share. An amount of something that is more than necessary, permitted, or desirable. Okay. Lack of, lack of moderation, especially in eating or drinking. Lack of moderation. Funny that. Moderation, what does that mean? Very akin to extremes, but it, it is, uh, uh, it's more uh, lack of moderation. I can see that. How many times have we been told that, you know, we're to be moderate in all things, you know, not just, not just this and that, that we stay out of excesses of any kind, that that's a red flag when we're not moderating in some area, be it exercise or eating or whatever it is that is an issue so we're talking about definitions of excess melissa so lack of moderation is a good one for that i think that fits i wanted y'all to read definitions till we found one that fit what we wanted so that one that one fits uh, <laughs> how about complacency why would complacency be part of that i can see extremes I can see excesses, but complacency. Complacency seems like it indicates no growth. Exactly, Paula, exactly. Complacency would be a lack of open-mindedness, like a passive complacency, if you could, if there's such a thing. I mean, a passive, uh, uh, it'd be the opposite of complacency. Uh, passive learning, I guess, or, pa you, know, or what the, you know, the opposite of what, complacency would be because it's not about being aggressive it's about being open and letting it happen if you're complacent you're not going to let it happen 
I found a definition of complacency, uh, feeling of calm satisfaction with your own abilities. I don't know about you guys, but complacency is a feel of my addiction. It's that I've got it figured out. Yeah, absolutely. I've got this. I'm in control of this. I can I can go out and I can moderate. I can go out and do things the way I should. Well, the, the way I perceive that I should be doing things. Uh, I think it's very dangerous for people in our situation to to get complacent and start to think along those those sort of lines. And um, the first person I'll notice I get complacent is my sponsor if I don't call him. Next people will probably be my wife because I'm not I'm not doing what I should be doing. Um, I think complacency is a, it's a, it's a massive, massive thing. See, complacency out of that seems to be, for me, the the red flag toward my action involved in this, right? Because extreme, yeah, I don't need to be, I need to stay in the middle. I don't need to get out on the edge. Okay? Excesses, yeah, I need to be moderate and everything. Complacency? Oh yeah, I need to stay open-minded so I can move in the right direction. You know, I need to be open to what's going on around me to keep from doing what I read before about holding on to things and losing. The way I avoid that is by not doing those three things: extremes, excesses, and complacency. So if I'm not some red a red flag of that would be if I'm not growing spiritually, maybe I'm getting complacent. Maybe I'm getting this feeling I have my recovery figured out or, you know, I've got, you know, I've got this handled, you know, God, you showed me twice. I can take it from there, you know, kind of thing, you know. Maybe that's what it means when it's saying you're not, well, you you do not push. Maybe you should push sometimes. Maybe you should should reevaluate what you're doing and if, if it's not working because it's not holding your attention or you think you are in control of that. And uh, I would, I would generally have a look at what I'm doing and see if it's enough. But I don't like the word push because push for me means force. Like I'm, I'm pushing when really it's more like we were talking about with meditation. We just let it happen. We get out of the way. We quit forcing. We quit resisting. I guess quit resisting would be a, for me is a better way to think about it because my problem's resisting. Because I think it's all there for us. Everything we need is already done. We resist it more than anything, or I do. And when I get out of the way, it just seems to fall in place. But my problem is I'm in the way, not that I need to make something happen. My problem is I'm interfering. So it's more like I'm a a dam blocking the flow rather than I've got to dig, dig, dig a trench to get it to me. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if that makes sense, but, but for me, that seems to be the way it is. So when I get out of the way, it just happens. Any other comments before we move? I want to talk about the Wayne Dyer. Yeah, just that, quickly. You, you mentioned the, um, the, the sage lives in the center. Yes. Yeah. If we revert back to verse 11, um, we spoke, we spoke about a wheel. Um, the opening stanza for verse 11 was 30 spokes share the wheel's hub. It's the center hole that makes it useful, which is where we would assume that the, the, the sage or the master would be in the center, um, not controlling, but overseeing. It's, it's actually the, the lack of control. It's the openness, yeah. the emptiness that makes us useful. It's the surrender. When, when It's like us not having to make it happen 
but us leaving room for our higher power to do this in our life so that we're our job really is to get out of the way, not to make it happen. Total opposite from what we learn outside of recovery, right? Total opposite of what I learned in business, you know, all the self-help, because this is not self-help. This is self-sacrifice. That's what this is about. Because it's not about me making it happen. It's about me getting out of the way so it can happen. Totally different. Totally different. Okay, anything else before we move to the commentaries? Or to the Wayne Dyer's the only one I want to want to look at. I'm going to put it up on the screen. Y'all have a comment, just chime in. Okay, this is uh, his translation. Do you think you can take over the universe and improve it? I do not believe it can be done. Everything. Um, question. Now, I I listened to the recent podcast, and it was it was all about flow, and it was all about letting things be. Right? When do you know? not to take act well to take action because i am i have a tendency to overreact to do the extremes um do things to excess everything that you know you say you couldn't do i get complacent in my recovery and then i try and change things but then i change things to excesses and extremes and it's this cycle of oh, shit, I'm not happy, therefore I have to change something. How do we let things flow? Well, for me, that starts with surrender and trying to narrow my life down to what's going on right in front of me. Start with with where I am rather than trying to control everything. And I try to... I try that with what's in front of me to do first and then try to bite, you know, eat that elephant in small chunks instead of on everything at one time. Uh, that's how I do it. And if I start in the moment I'm in my surrender, which is all surrender really. And if I don't know what to do, I do nothing. I try to do nothing. If I do not know the right answer for me, the right answer is just wait. And that's where I begin with it. And that's what usually works for me. Anyone else have a have a comment with that? Yeah, the phrase that I, I like to use a lot when I don't know how to deal with something, whether it's a relationship or um, I had a therapist once who said, just put it on the shelf. Because then you're not just ignoring it. You're not avoiding it. You're You're putting it up there until you're ready to deal with it, until you've done all the work to let you be able to deal that's good lala does that help um i think so i think so um i find it very uncomfortable and i find it very scary i don't know whether that's common um but i think you know the unknown is the unknown is scary (laughs) the uncertainty is scary and you have to learn to accept that. You're right. You know, for me, giving up the control of that was very scary because I was afraid it wasn't going to work out. Really, I wasn't afraid it was going to work out what was best for me. 
wasn't that it worked out like it was supposed to because I didn't care if it worked out like it was supposed to. I wanted it to be best for me. It was all me. So when I learned to surrender that and say, okay, this is going to work out like it needs to work out, you know, without me having to puppeteer everything, you know, pull all the strings. And when I did that, things just started flowing on their own. And I became more really an observer in my life rather than a puppeteer controlling everything. That's what I've experienced. I I would say, but for me, the first step of that was narrowing that down to today, to this moment, dealing with what was just in front of me in this minute to deal with and surrender that. And when I intuitively knew the right, what I thought was the right thing to do, as long as I was doing that, I normally made the right decision. I will, you know, it just seemed to work out when I started coming from that place of surrender in things rather than that place of control and fear, you know, and, and if I had to make a decision in the moment, the decision I would make, if I was pushed to make a decision, okay, what is this decision going to benefit me more than another person or what, who's, who's ultimately benefiting from this decision? And if I had to make a decision, I'd make the decision based on what would benefit others more than myself. And if I had to, if not, I'd put that decision on the shelf like Lola was talking about and wait until I knew the right thing to do and then moved in that direction. So that, that's how I approach that. I hope, I hope that's helpful. Anyone else got anything at the moment with that that'll help? That's tough because that's ultimately why we're here, you know? is how do we, you know, how are we led in life? And that's really what this is about. That's brilliant. Thank you, buddy. Everything under heaven is a sacred vessel and cannot be controlled. Trying to control leads to ruin. Trying to grasp, we lose. Allow your life to unfold naturally. Allow it to unfold naturally. Know that it, you know, so what that, what I think that's saying is if I keep trying to control I keep trying to grasp, I prevent my life from unfolding naturally. So you say, why Why is it un- not unfolding naturally? Maybe it's because of my trying to control, my efforts to grasp. Know that it too is a vessel of perfection, your life. Just as you breathe in and breathe out, there's a time for being ahead, a time for being behind, a time for being in motion a time for being at rest, a time for being vigorous, a time for being exhausted, time for being safe, a time for being in danger. To the sage, all of life is a movement toward perfection. So what need has he for the excessive, the extravagant, or the extreme? Same same thought. I'm going to read some excerpts from this. Uh, He titled this Living by Natural Law. You're not in charge. You never have been. You never will be. So you're advised to let go of any ideas you have about controlling anything or anyone, including yourself. Tuning in to this feeling of amazement at the sacred perfection of the world helps you release your desire to control anything or anyone. Lao Tzu reminds you everything under heaven is a sacred vessel. Needing no input from you, since you're also a part of everything, 
you may need to change the way you look at your life and all that has transpired in it, as well as your vision of the future. Whether you agree or disagree, whether you like it or not, all of it is outside of your ego's domain. It's all unfolding according to the same natural law that causes the seasons to follow one another, the moon to look as if it rises and falls, the whales to transverse oceans and birds to migrate and return without benefit of a map or human-made guidance system. When you look at your life in this way, you'll begin to see it unfold organically. The Tao is a natural law, not some controlling force that manipulates you. The Tao is the informing principle of God, not nature's Lord and Master. The Tao doesn't act as a boss, forcing itself on you or anyone. It simply allows all of creation to reveal itself with perfect timing. And all that is revealed is sacred because it's a piece of the ego-free Tao. Begin recognizing that every moment of your life is, is in accordance with the divine Tao. How can we do that? For me, gratitude does that. You got something to Tori? No, I was just going to say appreciating what happens to you um, and knowing that it's a part of your story, regardless of whether it's something bad or something good. It's uh, meant to be, and that's just a part of your story. You know, a lot of times we don't like that. You know, we don't like when things are bad or how can that be something that's, you know. But when I look back in my life, you know, when I'm in something, it seems like I'm bouncing around. You know, like, this can't be God. This can't be the way it's supposed to be. This can't be, you know, when I'm in the middle of bad things, you know, or things that seem to me to be bad. And I bounce around. But when I look back, I see everything in a straight line. You know, I see I I went from this to this to this. So if I was in this straight line behind me, why do I not think I'm still in that line and I just don't know it? So gratitude really helps me with that, you know, because I can look at gratitude and I can say, okay, I can see I went from this to this to this. And with gratitude, I don't have to have faith in gratitude. It's not like I have to believe everything's going to be the way it's supposed to be with gratitude. I can look at it because it's what happened. And I have several different gratitude lists that have to do with different things. And that way I can, I can look at that and say, okay, I see how things have worked out in the past. So I know they're going to work out in the future based on that. What Nothing's changed other than the fact I'm in more attuned with my higher power today than I was before. So if it worked out then when I was so far from God, if, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, now for sure, because my intent is more to, to you know, to do the will of God and what I'm doing. So that's uh, that's how I I seem to look at that. And gratitude helps me with that, Tori. Oh, just appreciating it for what it is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And being open minded in it and knowing that, OK, I may not see what's here right now for me to see. but I believe it's going to, I'm going to see it eventually and having, I have an expectance of that, you know, it's okay. I'm looking to see how this is going to turn out to something good. You know, let me just, I'm going to sit back and watch, you know, and a lot of times if we take that attitude, we can stay out of judgment. We can stay in the middle, stay in moderation and stay open-minded, you know, and if we can learn to do that, then we can work in this natural flow so much easier and life is so much simpler.
I think um, I'm just um, chiming in. I, I, what you said about bouncing around in your mind, um, I actually think you just hit the nail on your nail on the head because I know I've been working um, in perfectionism and control for I don't know maybe a week even more and the concept of hearing about flow <laughs> made me kind of go oh well obviously I need to make that happen yes <laughs> the irony <laughs> the irony is I need to do something to make that happen and I need to make choices I need to make changes I need to do this 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 and this and ultimately I am now exhausted, anxious, um, tearful, angry, so many emotions. And, and the idea of actually going, oh, that was a nice episode. It was about flow. Perhaps I should just let things flow and not do all of these things that, you know. I, and, and what, yeah, what you just said is just so um, enlightening, really. Um, it's yeah it's interesting you know for me it's like riding on in an airplane i'm i'm going you know 500 miles an hour i'm sitting there reading a book watching a movie or whatever just because i don't feel the movement or take a nap does not mean i'm not still moving or still heading in that same direction so i look at this whole flow as the same thing just because because, see, my thoughts a lot of times are supporting my feelings. So if I've got fear about things, my thoughts are going to be there to try to support my fear, support my control, all those things. So I have these millions of thoughts just go bouncing around, and they're usually trying to protect what, you know, my character defects, you know, because if I'm in fear or control, they're supporting that. So as I let go of that fear and let go of that control, those thoughts start leaving. And they, those thoughts start changing. So, yeah, that's good. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and continue. Interrupt me at your pleasure. Avoid extremes, excesses, extravagance, and know that all is unfolding perfectly, even if your thoughts tell you that it's imperfect. These thoughts must also have their own time. And in the natural flow, they'll be replaced by new ones, which will show up on time as well. Giving up control. Begin a conscious program of surrendering and allow your world and everyone in it to do as they are ordained to do. It involves taking a split second to stop yourself in your mode of judgment or frustration and have a brief talk with yourself on the spot. Step back. Be a witness rather than a protagonist without criticism or control. And you'll see you'll move to the center. We were talking about that earlier. When I am, when I am angry, first thing I, and I tried this the other day because I don't get angry as often as I used to, but uh, I got angry. And I said, well, wait a minute. It's an opportunity for me to try this. So I said, okay, I'm angry. I never would do that before. I'd always resist being angry. I said, okay, I am angry. I'm angry about whatever. And and it was a situation where someone's trying to take advantage of me in a business thing. And I said, 
I am angry at them for trying to screw me on that. And it just all started fading away. I'm like, why is that fading away so easy? I'm, I want to be angry longer about that because they're, you know. <laughs> and what it was, I realized my resistance to the anger was what was feeding the anger. So when I quit resisting it and just accepted it for a minute, it all just faded away. I was like, wow, that is so easy. And same thing we do with thoughts in meditation. Okay, that's a thought. And then it just passes on through. Same kind of thing. Same kind of thing. Without criticism, without control, you move to the center. Your belief that ego can control life is an illusion. Illusion. I want to finish this up with uh, his do the Tao now, his practice of this is to find a place where control is all-consuming and relinquish it today. Stifle your inclination to interfere, reminding yourself as you do so that there's a time for everything and you're becoming more adept at observing peacefully rather than taking over. Here's a, a poem he had by Naomi Long Magic. Uh, I won't coax the plant if I were you. Such watchful nurturing may do it harm. Let the soil rest from so much digging and wait until it's dry before you water it. The least inclined to find its own direction. Give it a chance to seek the sunlight for itself. Much growth is stunted by too much prodding, too eager tenderness. The things we love, we have to learn to leave alone. You have to learn to leave alone, including my life. I love my life so much, but I got to leave it alone. Okay, guys, is there anything else? Okay, well, y'all have a great week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars, Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.